Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We are enriched by the word of God. Uh, Lord, I'm going to try and taper my excitement, but just say, say what you want to get said today. And then Lord, you know, help us to walk out our obedience because this new covenant, Jesus, what you have done is marvelous in our eyes. We love you, Lord. We love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, our soul, and our strength, and we're grateful today. So give us eyes to see everything you want to see in the new covenant today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, we're going to continue on the centrality of Jesus today. And we're laying him as the foundation of our individual lives, our homes, our families, our church, And then our relationships beyond the church. Let's go to Psalm 118, verse 21, New King James. I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become, look at this, the chief cornerstone. Jesus actually quotes this uh, in his ministry, this exact passage. Verse 23, this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What I see in that, I think that's a prophetic word for us as a church body. That Jesus has become the chief cornerstone of everything we're doing. Even yesterday at men's breakfast, when I shared just a little bit after Derek shared. Anything we do, I don't care what it is. Sunday morning, eat the word, uh, worship night, men's breakfast. It better be to connect people to Jesus and then connect people to one another in him. He's our unity. He's our foundation, everything we're doing. And I think this was birthed a little bit out of you look at the world, anything that can be shaken will be shaken. So if what you're leaning on that's not him has not been shaken and proven fallible yet, just get ready because anything that can be shaken in this world will be shaken. Hebrews 12, until all that remains is the unshakable kingdom of God. So it is our foundation with uh, and relationship with Jesus Christ that is our stability in the times that we're living in. The world is going to world. Okay. Uh, at this point, you shouldn't be too surprised at some of the stuff that they come up with, but we're going to anchor ourselves to the Lord. Luke chapter six, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, Jesus said, and don't do the things which I say. Whoever comes to me and hears what I say and does them, well, here's who he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep. Look at that, dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat uh, vehemently against the house and couldn't shake it. And it was uh, for it was founded because it was founded on the rock. You realize to the Jews in the Jewish culture, If you didn't do it, you didn't hear it. Think about that. If you didn't do it, you didn't hear it. So if Johnny says to you, Dad, I heard you say to clean my room yesterday. Then you say to Johnny lovingly, No, you didn't. Because you didn't do it. You didn't hear me. See, in the Greek realm, the Greek culture, which America is solidly in the Greek realm, I tell you that all the time, uh, we hear something and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard what you said. Now I'm processing whether or not I think it's any good and whether or not I want to do it or not. <laughs> but in the Hebrew culture, if you didn't do it, you didn't really hear it. Listen and obey. That's right. So if you're new to Grace Church... I just want to let you know very lovingly, we, we want to not just hear Jesus, we want to follow Him. We want to do what He says and uh, be real students and disciples of Him, learners of Him. Church membership is not in Scripture. Being a church member somewhere won't help you. But being a disciple, a student of Jesus, a lover of Jesus, that carries great life and great authority. Uh, we've been, as part of that, being students of Jesus, we've been studying How do we know him? We want to give our lives to knowing his person, knowing his work, his mission, knowing his teaching and obeying it, knowing his authority and knowing his voice. And currently, this is as far as we've gotten. (laughs) We're, We're knowing the works of Jesus, that he came to reintroduce the kingdom of God to us by putting the spirit of God back inside us, that he might extend his father's intimate rule through us. 
Okay? To us, then in us, and then through us. Number two, we've looked at he came to destroy the works of the devil. Only the devil himself and his manner. I'm talking about, how many of you think the devil's got a lot of pride issues? Only the devil and his manner of pride would say that your sin is so sensational that Jesus Christ is not God enough to cleanse you. So you need to come to grips with the fact that he destroyed the works of the devil. All that shame, all that guilt, all that fear and separation is a deception. Perfect love has come and driven out all fear. Jesus Christ has come and cleansed you of all unrighteousness. Amen, somebody. So we spent a lot of time on that. And then here's where we have landed. He came to initiate and establish the new covenant. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Amplified Bible. For I received from the Lord Himself that which I pass on to you. It was given to me personally. That the Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, delivered up. While, he was, uh, while His betrayal was in progress, He took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to call me. Do this to call me. Talking about him affectionately to remembrance. How many of you see relationship in that? Jesus did what he did to bring you into relationship. Don't fall in love with healing. Fall in love with the healer. Everything he's done, everything he does is for relationship. And to call you, bring you affectionately to Him. Jody, I don't know where she slipped out, but how incredible is it? How long we've been doing communion now? Oh, there she is. Jody, how long we've been doing communion out here? Every week we offer communion. A few months? Yeah. And you look now at what He's shown us in the way of the new covenant. It's incredible. But I think that was just prophetic. I think Jody was just seeing down the road a little bit so we could really own in our heart what he initiated with the new covenant. Because look at the next verse. Verse 25. Similarly, when supper was ended, Jesus took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant. It is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it to call me affectionately to your remembrance. Well, I love it. So everything he does, deliverance, salvation, healing, all that, those are great things. But man, fall in love with him. Everything he's done is out of relationship. Brother Jerry Baldwin. Jerry, raise your hand back there. Uh, he was uh, at my table at the men's breakfast yesterday. I loved what he shared because we kind of went around and shared what the Lord was showing us. He, he brought up John seventeen three, and that this is eternal life, to know God, to know Jesus Christ. That that's what it's really about. Derek had talked some about distractions in the world and that we need not fall for them. Jerry said there are distractions in the world. There's also distractions within Christendom. Don't be, don't be overtaken or distracted with healing or deliverance where we're chasing after the things of Jesus instead of Jesus himself. Because if you, if you know him and you walk with him, you fall in love with him, guess what? Everything else gets added to you. I thought that was such a word of great wisdom. So you look here and you see the new covenant uh, being introduced by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When God initiates covenant, he does it with the shedding of blood. So Jesus is literally a lamb on that cross that's uh, shedding blood to initiate the new covenant between God and mankind. So here's Hebrews 8, 6. This is a copycat, at least the middle section towards the end, is from Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Okay, Jeremiah prophesied that the new covenant was coming. And then, of course, Ezekiel, who was discipled by Jeremiah in Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, he prophesies that a, that a, a, a new way is coming where God would go inside our hearts and our minds. Sound familiar? So we'll see it here. Let's read it. But now Christ has obtained a more excellent ministry in as much he's the mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they didn't continue in my covenant. Okay, the old covenant. 
So I disregarded them, says the Lord. Jeremiah 3.8, he actually gave him a certificate of divorce. Verse 10, for this is the covenant, though, that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. Number one, I'll put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. There you go. There's the inward penetration of the Spirit. Number two, I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Ownership. He is Lord, not you. Somebody say amen. amen. None of them shall teach his neighbor. None his brother, saying, Know the Lord. All can know me from the least to the greatest. He's going to come inside you and be your teacher. He's going to teach you. No man will have to teach you. Doesn't negate the gifts in the body of Christ. But he himself is your teacher. And then, uh, verse 12, number 4. 4. Everybody say 4. So what he's saying is, because, how's, how's the first three going to happen? Because I'm going to be merciful to your unrighteousness. And look at this, your sin and lawless deeds I will remember no more. My goodness. There's the five terms. In that he says a new covenant, he's made the first one obsolete. Now what's becoming obsolete is growing old and ready to vanish away. Uh, where's Brother Ron? Brother Ron, would you look up 1 Corinthians 12, 13 for me? I'm going to come to that here in just a second. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Much of the earthly ministry of Jesus took place under the old covenant. I've taught you that. Jesus was teaching Moses 2.0 a lot of times, teaching law and even one-upping the law at that. Not just don't commit adultery. How about don't look at women with lust in your heart? So he's, he would up the law to the Jews. And so much of his ministry was directed towards Israel. But we know from Galatians 3, 28 and 29, which says, There is no more Jew, no more Greek, no more male, no more female, slave nor free. He says, If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So don't think because you're not, quote, uh, from Israel, that you're not part of the house of Israel. The house of Israel is those with the faith of Abraham. Those who belong to Christ are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promise of the coming Holy Spirit that would come inside you and write God's law in your heart and mind. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, did I say 12, 13 or 13, 12? 12, 13. Yep, that's it. Thank you. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Okay, read it one more time. For by one spirit, is capital S, mm-hmm. we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, mm-hmm. and we were all made, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Amen. Do you, there's familiar verbiage or similar verbiage with Galatians 3 about slave nor free and all that Jew or Greek were all baptized in the new covenant into Christ by the Holy Spirit. So in the new covenant, it is the new birth. That very first term, when he says, I'm going to write my law in your heart and mind, that is the very spirit of Christ himself coming into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father, beginning a relationship because the new covenant is Christ and God the Father. And if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you're in the relationship. Okay? So it's very powerful. And I give you this this morning because Jesus did tell his disciples to go to the house of Israel. Matthew 10, 5 and 6, he said, go first to the house of Israel. But after the resurrection, Jesus sent them to do what? Go tell all the world. Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest parts of the earth. Mark 16.15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28.19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Okay, so I just say all that so you can understand by the power of the Holy Spirit, who's the executive producer of these five terms of the new covenant, you are in this covenant. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Lord, for it, because it's a better covenant with better promises. I've shown you that out of Hebrews 8, 6, because in the old covenant, the promises were dependent upon our faithfulness. The new covenant is dependent upon Christ's faithfulness. How many of you know that's a good thing? 
So anytime the enemy is trying to put you down in the hole of no impact and the mully grubs because of something you did, you remind him and remind yourself, I didn't get into this by what I did in the first place. So I'm not going to get myself out of it by doing something. Me doing something righteous didn't put me in it. Me doing something unrighteous doesn't take me out of it. Okay? And then number two, in the old covenant there was no new birth, but the new covenant has the power internally to walk out what God is asking us to do. In the old covenant, believers were only counted as righteous. The new covenant, we are the righteousness of God. We're a brand new creation. So two and three really go hand in hand. The, the benefits there, why it's a better covenant. Number four, the old covenant only covered our sin. The new covenant, it's been taken away. And then the old covenant was temporary. The new covenant is eternal. So you've got these five reasons that the old covenant uh, is lesser. It's a lesser covenant. I like to say, you know, the new covenant is a better covenant with better promises. I shared a lot of number two and three benefit. What I'm talking about today, I shared a bunch of it Wednesday night on Wednesday in the Word. So if you haven't seen it, please go back and sit with it. Sit with the Lord, watch it, uh, digest it, however the Lord leads you to. But I shared a lot of this, what we're talking about today. Thank you, Patty, uh, on Wednesday night. You enter the new covenant by faith and the Spirit's birth. By receiving, everybody say receiving, what God has offered through Jesus Christ. And I mentioned that that very first term is the new birth. He's going to penetrate you by His Spirit, write His law uh, in your heart and your mind. I mentioned Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, where Ezekiel prophesied. Remember, a disciple of Jeremiah. He said that God was saying, I'm going to clean you. I'll call you out. I'll set you apart. I'll clean you. And then I'll give you a brand new heart. And I'll literally put my spirit on the inside of you. Listen, and I'll cause you. By my divine love and presence, I'll cause you to walk in my ways. Let me translate for you. I'll help you. And Jesus' nickname for the Holy Spirit was the Helper. It's a better covenant with better promises. Because in the old covenant law, God said love, right? Love God, love your neighbor. He said do, he said don't do. But he didn't supply the power in the old covenant. In the new covenant, God said love. And he said be. Be who I've made you to be. And then with it, he supplied the power. Now this is proof then that the law was given so we would come to the revelation of what Jesus said in John chapter 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The law, this is proof because he gave us commands but he didn't give us the power to carry it out. He's just showing you that apart from him, you can't do it. But a day is coming when you'll cry out for mercy and I will send my son straight into your heart and cause you to walk in my way. Somebody give God praise in this house. Boy, that's the glory of the new covenant. And if the glory of the old was so great, Moses had to veil his face. How about the glory of the new covenant that ought to be shining on our face? Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. But when the fullness of the time had come, God heard our cries. <laughs> he sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, to purchase those who were under law that we might receive adoption as sons. You are not a slave. Verse 6, And because you're sons, look at what He did. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your where? Into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, you're an heir of God through Jesus Christ. Everything that Christ has, go ahead and give Him praise. Everything that Christ has, you have. Because you're in Him and He's in you. And this new covenant is eternal. Christ is seated. There's no way He can sin. There's no way He can break the covenant. We know God the Father won't break it. Jesus is seated. It's, it's eternal, and it's based on His obedience, not yours. Ah, oh, glory to God. That's why Paul said, hey, if you see this, the glory that will show upon your life will be far greater than the glory on Moses' face. Paul is saying here that our obedience will flow 
from a transformation that has occurred inside us by virtue of a power that God Himself has provided. Amen. Let me show you this. Romans 13, 8. Owe no man anything but to love Him. For love is the fulfillment of the law. God always wanted. He just summed it up. Love, love me. Love your neighbor. Love each other. This is the whole of what He was going after. Love here in Romans 13, 8 is the word agapeo. Agape is love as a noun. God is love. Agapeo is love in action. So love in action is the fulfillment of the law. Now let me tell you what the Strong says, what Bible Hub says. If you eat this passage, and I encourage you to eat it. It's a great passage. The word agapeo is the believer's preference to live life through Jesus Christ. To choose His choices. To embrace the Father's will by the Father's power. The Father has put the power inside of us by the Spirit. The believer actively does what the Lord prefers. That's the fulfillment of the law. You're not, you're not even obeying so you can be righteous or be blessed or be saved. You're obeying because He did what Ezekiel prophesied He would do. I'll come inside you by the Spirit and I'll cause you. I'll cause you to choose my choices. Now give Him praise in the house of God. That's the fulfillment of the law, that every day you're under the divine influence of God's love. Choosing His choices. Preferring Him to live life in and through Jesus Christ. Woo! My goodness! That's all He was going after in the covenants. Was that we would get to a point where you would live every day under the influence of the Spirit of God's love. Be not drunk with wine. But be filled with the Spirit. What's he contrasting? If you get drunk with wine, you're under the influence of alcohol. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Come under the influence of the Father's love. That is what, that's what the whole shooting match is about. That's the glorious new covenant. And that's why it's so important. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we're going to be students of Jesus, we have to know the works of Jesus. He came reintroducing the rule of God to our hearts. He came to destroy the works of the devil, and He came to inaugurate a brand new, the brand new covenant between God and mankind. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Now you know why I'm trying not to get too excited. Touch your neighbor and say, but wait, there's more. This means every member of the new covenant has been regenerated. And has had the law placed in their minds and written on their hearts. Every member of the new covenant is a born again new creation. My goodness. With the new covenant Jesus established. And the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells inside you. You not only have the the divine influence of God in your heart. You not only know now what to do because His voice is there. You have the power to do it. And go beyond the law. Not just not commit adultery, but now pray for a marriage that's under attack of adultery. Does that make sense? Intercede. Get up at 4 a.m. Pray for them. Fight for them. It's The weakness of the law was, oh, well, I didn't commit adultery. I'm a good person. Man, there's something far greater. Where you're fighting for people. The old covenant law was unable to supply the power we needed to obey it. The law of Moses stated, Thou shalt not, or do this and live. But there was nothing in the law itself that could empower us. As the poem so eloquently says, The law bid me to fly, but it didn't give me wings. It told me what to do, but I didn't have the power to do it. Isn't it fair to say, There's no way a human being can be like God without God. So the purpose of the law was to keep you from relying on yourself and bring you to a life of total dependence on the indwelling spirit of God himself. Which is, newsflash, what you had in the Garden of Eden. That's what was lost. That's why Jesus is called the last Adam. To come, that's right, and fix what had been lost. To reconcile man back to God. So with the new covenant... Not only do we, do we keep the law, the Ten Commandments or whatever, we go far beyond that. 
I'm not just resisting temptation not to steal from my neighbor. I'm over there eating the word with him. I'm investing in him. I'm not over here justified because, okay, thank you, Lord. I don't covet anything. I care about him. I want him to know Jesus. It's a higher law. Not only do you not take your neighbor's wife, you counsel them. You get up in the midnight hour praying for them, fighting for them. Not only do you not take their life, you give them eternal life by introducing them to Christ. It's a higher law. And I believe that people ought to be aware of these terms before they even get saved. These five terms. Doesn't it make sense that... If you're going to come to Christ, you're going to walk the altar or sign a card or I want to be water baptized, they need to know how to relate to God based on the new covenant. And these five terms. Because here's what I'm consenting to. I'm going to let Him penetrate me by His Spirit. I'm going to let Christ come inside and be not just Savior, but Lord. I'm going to give Him absolute ownership rights. That is number two. I'll be your God. You'll be my people if you'll just accept it. And can I get a witness? It's good for you that you're not self-managed. If you are self-managed, you will soon be self-damaged. And you can write that down if you want, because that's a nice little rhyme. If you're self-managed, here comes self-damaged. Anything that leaves you at the center is going to wind up off-center. You better put Him as Lord. You better put Him as President. You better let Him lead you. Because He knows you better then you know yourself and he also knows what's good for you better than you do. And he knows how life is to be lived because he made life and he made us. Amen. Amen. So we submit to him. And when you come to Christ, you're accepting to live by these terms. I'm no longer my own. I've been penetrated by the Holy Spirit of God. I'm taught now by God. I'm taught by God. That's the third term. And then how about this? I'm one who's forgiven. And if he doesn't remember my sins anymore, why do I always remember everybody else's? <laughs> hey, why, why you have that hit like a Led Zeppelin, didn't it? <laughs> While you have the privilege <laughs> of all your sins being forgiven and no longer even remembered, past, present, future, amen? Because when Jesus died and cut covenant, you weren't even born yet. So it had the power to go to future sins that hadn't been committed. You and I weren't even born yet. We hadn't committed one sin, and yet the covenant was cut. Well, you have the privilege of being one whose sins are all forgiven and remembered no more. You also have the responsibility now of being one who's completely forgiven, one who's indwelt by Christ himself, one who's taught by the Lord. Make sense? Amen. Oh, that's good stuff. How about this? First Corinthians chapter six. Look at this. First Corinthians six, verse nine through 11. Come on, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Maybe I'm not touching it right. If you guys in the back will help me, let's just go to the next one. First Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11. Oh, thanks, Gavin. It's, um, oh, did we lose connection? Oh, yeah, we're doing good. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. There it goes. Do you not know that the unrighteous and wrongdoers will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the impure, immoral, idolaters, adulterers, those who participate in homosexuality, cheats, greedy graspers, drunkards, foul-mouthed revilers, slanders, extortioners, or robbers will inherit or uh, have any share in the kingdom of God. Everybody got it? Look at this. And such were some of you. Were. He did not say you used to do those things. He said you used to be those things. In the new covenant, he says love and go be who I say you are. Okay? Such were some of you, but you were washed. Purified by a complete atonement for sin and made free from the guilt of sin. You were consecrated and set apart. Hallowed. This is amplified. And you were justified. Pronounced righteous. How? By trusting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God. You are not who you used to be. 
Your want-tos have changed. Go back to the word agapeo. You have the love of God. His divine influence is at work in your heart. You are not who you used to be. I love that he, that he said that. He didn't say you used to do those things. He said you used to be those things. But you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been justified by Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Why do we settle for sin? Why do we settle for the world? Because we don't see and know what Christ has really done. You've got to see, because of how righteous and holy you are as a new creation, sin is a far lesser life. Amen. You've got to see sin for the absolute deception of a lesser life that it is. And I mentioned this before. But it's a great example. How many of you have teenagers? Show of hand. How many of your teenagers' rooms are spotless? Exactly. <laughs> so if you've got a room in your house where your teenager dwells, and there's Dorito bags and underwear and T-shirts and trash all over the floor, and then next to that room, you've got your, your uh, dining room with the china and uh, the white glove treatment, right? It's all super clean in there. And you got a piece of trash. And you're like, okay, do I throw it in my kid's room or over here? Which room are you more likely to throw some more trash in? The, the room that's not clean. That's why you've got to see yourself as clean and pure. If you really see that you are cleansed, you are washed, you are justified, there is no sin in your spirit, then you will not be near as prone to throw some trash on it. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. After a poor choice, the enemy will lie to you about who you are. But one wrong behavior cannot disqualify you or change your identity any more than one right behavior somehow has added to what Jesus made you. Amen. You're either qualified by Christ's spirit, Christ's life, Christ's blood, or you're not qualified. I'm going to say it again. You're either made right by Christ's life and His Spirit, His blood, or you're not right. And you're not going to add anything to Him by doing a good work and living out your true identity. You're enjoying the peace and blessing of your new identity. It's not doing anything to add. But in the same way, when you do a big piece of stupid, it doesn't change anything. So you got to renew... You got to renew your mind. If you stumble, get up. Didn't change your identity. You got to start seeing that you're not who you used to be. Did you know I can admonish saints of God not to lie? I can, I can instruct a child of God not to steal. But you can't tell a sinner not to lie or to steal. Why? Because dogs bark, cats meow, and sinners sin. So I can admonish the righteous bride of Jesus Christ to live well, to love well, because it's in you to do it and you've got the power to do it. But you don't tell sinners to do that. You tell sinners to get born again. You tell sinners to get washed, to get cleansed, and to get justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. And then once they're born again, will they be tempted to go back? Well, sure they will, but that's when you remind them. They may even do it. Let's say they were a, a liar, a deceiver. 1 Corinthians 6. That's, that's who they used to be. And then they tell a lie. What's the enemy tell them? Oh, see, you were never changed. Or how about this? You've changed back. <laughs> no, you tell them that's who you used to be, and that's just residue from the previous administration. You were governed for most of your life, however long they'd been alive. They were governed by the flesh. They were trained by it, taught to lie, taught to cheat. Am I right? So they'll be tempted to go back and maybe they stumble, but you got to remind them that is not who you are anymore. This is who you are. So we repent. Now the Holy Spirit's inside. We get to repent on a daily basis. We course correct every day. Because our goal is to look like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. 
So my life is full of repentance. My life is full of turning back to Christ, turning back to my true identity, reminding myself who I really am. Amen. Look at Ephesians 4, 22. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. This is the New Living Translation. It's corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. New King James says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Your new man is truly righteous and holy. You are not the same person you were before you got born again. Yet how many people go to church their whole life and never hear they have a new man? They have a new nature. It's kind of hard to put on the new man if you never knew you had one. If the whole goal of Christendom is to improve the old sinner you. He, he didn't come to improve the old you. He came to kill the old you. And so when he was killed, you were killed. You were crucified in Christ. And then the new creation man was raised with him. How do I get raised with him? By faith. I apply faith now that when he died, the old Steve died. And when he walked out of the tomb new, so did Steve. Amen. I love what Andrew Farley had said, that somebody had asked him one time, how do you live this life? Man, I hear you talk about the new identity. He said, number one, wake up. Get out of bed. Number two, agree with who God says you are. Number three, go be you. Go be the new creation man. If we could just get hold of, just go live every day as the new creation man. Put him on. That's righteous and pure and holy. We won't settle for less. And we'll realize, you know what? I'm too great of a creation, devil, to be satisfied by sin. I'm too great of a creation. I'm a new creation, and I'm too loved by God to give in to that other stuff. Look at Matthew 23, 25 through 28. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside may become clean also. Verse 27, woe to you again, hypocrites, you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, outwardly, you appear righteous to men. But where, guys? Inside, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Because a man cannot be like God without God. And they had mistook the law as somehow their ritual, their tradition. They added 613 laws. Man-made laws that somehow in keeping them would make them right before God. And the whole purpose of the law was for them to figure out what Jesus said in John 15. Apart from me, you can't do it. There's no life in you if you don't have the life of God in you. So this is what he's walked into. This is why they hated him. He walks into people who are worshiping their own self-righteousness. And the gift of righteousness is standing right in front of them. And they couldn't see him. These are people who had a monopoly, so to speak, on God. And yet they missed him when he came to save them. And he came to deliver them. But you can see... Psalm 107, 20, he sent his word. Where is he sending it? Into your heart and your mind to heal us. That is the new birth. I'm going to write my law in your heart. I'll send forth the spirit of my son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father, because where's the problem? Inside. The problem is inside, not outside behavior. Come on, somebody. The Ten Commandments were outside. Thou shalt not outside. Regulations outside. Restrictions outside. Listen to this. When Adam fell, he was polluted from the outside in. He was externally disobedient with the fruit, but it killed him inside. So Jesus comes, the last Adam, to heal you where? Inside first. And then the outside comes naturally, supernaturally, because of the work of Christ in your heart. Come on, man. Hallelujah. Amen. Sam. Come on, brother. High five, brother. Yes. We died 
from the outside in. Sin came outside and killed our spirit inside. Jesus had to come and set us right inside first. So the first term of the new covenant is, I'll write my law in your heart and in your mind and I'll cause you to walk in my ways. Wow. This is why Jesus Christ said in John 6, and a whole bunch of people left him when he said it. He said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no life in you. I have to heal you inside. And the Pharisees kept thinking, we are such amazing people because, you know, we go to the temple and we give tithe and mint and cumin and we keep all the laws. We got tassels on our, on our prayer gown and we, we got all this. He said, you're dead inside. And it offended them because religion is easily offended. Religion is easily offended. Let's go to Luke 10, 25 through 36. Anybody having fun yet? Always be asking the Lord, Lord, I hear your truth. I hear what you're saying. What's my obedience? What do you want me to walk out with you? We're partners. Luke 10, 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood and tested Jesus. How many of you know that's a bad idea? Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He said, well, how about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is this neighbor I should love so I can inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves, stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed him, and left him half dead. Perhaps alive physically, but dead spiritually. Who are we talking about here? Who fell among thieves? Adam. Adam fell among thieves. And he was stripped of his righteousness, his relationship with God. He was wounded, sickness entered the picture, and then he was left alone, isolated, and he was half dead. He's alive physically, he's dead spiritually. Now by chance, Jesus said, a certain priest came down the road. Guess what? The priest, which represents the Ten Commandments and the law, couldn't help him. He passed by on the other side. Then a Levite came, which represents the prophets. And when he arrived at the place, he came and looked at him. But he passed by on the other side. Because the law and the prophets can't help him. He's dead inside. And all the law and the prophets is external. But a certain Samaritan, yay, capital S, who do you think that is? Jesus, as he journeyed, he came where the half-dead man was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. So he went to him. He bandaged his wounds. There's healing. Pouring in oil and wine. Wine is the blood of the new covenant. It's cleansing. Oil is the life of the Holy Spirit. He comes and he pours into Adam oil and wine. He sets him on his own animal, takes him to an inn and said, take care of him. Look at this, 35. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two more denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, the Holy Ghost, and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I'll repay you. Come on, somebody. Amen. (laughs) So Jesus said, which of these three do you think was the neighbor that you're supposed to love to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, well, he, he who showed mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Do what? Go love the neighbor you're supposed to love. Who's the neighbor in the story? Jesus Christ. Jesus is the neighbor. Who is my neighbor? On the front end. Then at the end, Jesus said, who was neighbor to the man who fell among thieves? Me. If you want to inherit eternal life, love me. How about that, huh? Adam is the half-dead man. Jesus comes as the last Adam, heals him, pours in the cleansing of the blood, the, the wine, and he pours in the oil of the Holy Spirit, just letting Scripture interpret Scripture. The priest is the law, helpless. Levite, teaching the prophets, helpless. Jesus is the good Samaritan. Jesus is the neighbor that you must love to inherit eternal life. The inn is the church. The innkeeper is the Holy Spirit. 
And the Samaritans paying off of all the charges for the care of the wounded man stands for the fact that Jesus Christ paid the total cost of human redemption. He paid all of it. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So number two and number three, as I told you earlier, the benefits. Why is it a better covenant with better promises? Number two, there's no new birth in the old covenant. There is in the new. And then number three, you're only accredited righteousness in the old. You actually are righteous in the new. Second Corinthians 5.21 for your notes. God made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God. This is being a new creation. I said last week, you are not just a forgiven sinner. You are justified. You've been made right in heaven's courtroom. You are absolutely clean and pure as the wind-driven snow before God. You want to know why? Because He cleansed you. Get a hold of that. You didn't cleanse yourself. I would have doubts too if it were up to you and me. I'd have doubts. Unless you're self-righteous and pious. Fair enough. But what if God did the cleansing? What if Jesus Christ is God enough to present you holy before God once again? To rectify everything that Adam had done and screwed up, but to make it right. You're not just a forgiven sinner. You're a brand new creation. And the more you live out your true identity, the more you'll see righteousness and love and peace and all the fruit of abiding in Christ in your daily life. But it's not by your effort. It's by your surrender. It's by your agreement with the truth that He's the one who did the cleansing. It must be enough. Amen. Look at Romans chapter 4. Gavin, you guys can come. Romans 4 verse 20. He did not waver. Talking about Abraham. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. He's talking about God. What God has promised, God will perform. That's why the new covenant is five promises God has made. Verse 22, and therefore it was accounted to him to righteousness. So Abraham, God bless him, had, he was credited with faith. Okay, The old covenant, it was still faith, just like it is for us. There was just no new birth. Abraham was not born again. It was credit to him to have righteousness. You have been made the righteousness of God. Because who lives inside of you? He does. He lives in you. Read John 14, 15, and 16 today. Go home and read it. He sent the very spirit of himself. He said, I'll come back to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he is our righteousness and he is in you. And we need to dare to believe all he says about us, no matter how good it is. Amen? So, this is in your bulletin today. Maybe the key to a transformed outer life is simply the acknowledgement that you have a transformed inner life. That you've been made new. Your spirit man being made righteous. I mean, do you realize you have the blood of Jesus in you? He poured in oil and wine. This is how righteous you are. The blood of Jesus is in you. The oil, the spirit of Christ is in you. That's how clean and righteous you are in your spirit. I know that our soul and our flesh cause problems. I do, because they didn't get born again. If you were 6'2", 250, when you got born again and got penetrated by the Spirit of Christ, you, you walked away from that experience 6'2", 250. Where the change was, was inside, which is where it needed to be. Fix your motive, fix your heart. God could begin to cause you to walk in His ways. It's a journey, okay? It's a journey. True story. Stand with me. True story. There was <coughs> an 80-year-old pastor. Everybody say 80. 80-year-old pastor in Florida. After getting a revelation of the new birth for the very first time, he said this. I'm going to quote him. For 60 years, I have served God out of what I could do for Him. But today, I begin serving Him out of what He did for me. Amen. And that gave him rest and security and inner peace 
In no way, shape, or form did that pastor think, Oh, wow, well, I think I'll go sin now. Why? Because he saw the new creation. And all this time he realized, I've been trying and trying and trying to be pleasing to God, when in fact, I need to serve him out of the finished work of what Christ did for me and now who he's made me on the inside. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you have never accepted the spirit of Jesus Christ into your spirit to give you life. I want you to raise your hand this morning and say, Brother Steve, that is me. And I want to receive him, his life, his righteousness, his spirit into my heart, my spirit, my mind. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. Anyone. Greatest decision a human being can make. Anyone. Gather church. Will you open your hands with me? Come on, let's just be vulnerable before him. Let's open our heart. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone watching online, those worshiping with us, and then, uh, Lord, those in this room. Thank you. Thank you for what you've written on the inside of us, that we are not who we used to be. And yes, we see residue at times. But, Lord, that's no longer who we are, and we break ties with it. I pray for every marriage here that they would remind each other of who they are by the Spirit. Lord, that they wouldn't remind and know each other after the flesh and fleshly behaviors. But Lord, that we would stir one another towards new creation remembrance. That we would wash each other with the Word of righteousness. But I pray for each and every one of us, Lord. I also pray for our obedience. We don't hear this much truth and then just go home and forget about it. So, Lord, we want to walk out. We want to be an expression of what you've laid upon our heart and stirred within our heart today. We at Grace Church, we want to be everything that you say that we are. And so I just pray, Lord, for us, the gathered church, that this word would explode once again in our hearts, that we'd be people of the new covenant, live and walk. Lord, I'm reminded Galatians 5, having begun by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Come under your Lordship. Come under your authority. Come under the divine influence of your love that's shed abroad in our hearts. We love you, Lord. We do. Now just equip us, Lord. Empower us. Remind us to walk it out. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray these things. Everybody said... Amen. Come on, let's give him praise this morning. Amen. If you have questions, there's a good book uh, out on the bookshelf called The True You. A lot of this stuff is in there about new creation identity. If you have questions, we'll meet you at the front. Otherwise, let's go change our world. You've been listening to Grace Church. Advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.